Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the BMcast. Nice. I'm Scott and Emma is no more, for this week anyway, because she's out having fun and cheese and drinks with friends, probably, so I'm instead joined by the Lord of Innistrad himself, Angelo Guerrera, aka The Jess Guy. How are you doing this week, buddy? Hello, Scott. Hello, everyone. I'm doing pretty well, thanks. Uh, I've been doing my best over the past week or so to take some time for myself, kind of carve out mm-hmm. any alone time that I can. Uh, I'm very much an introvert nowadays, so I, I'm, I'm really getting into, you know, snuggling with my cat and sitting on the couch and watching YouTube. I've been playing... Mm-hmm. I, I restarted Pokemon Crystal, and a lot of yeah. nostalgia there. Speaking of Pokemon, in a month... The new Diamond and Pearl remakes come out, so I'm super stoked to play those, because those originally came out in, like, 2006. I think it's been, like, 15 years now, something like that. Not long? Jeez. Yeah. But in terms of magic, I've just been keeping up with previews for Crimson Vow, seeing how they're going to change my cube, Mm. seeing if anything's good for, like, modern or standard or anything like that. Nice. So, yeah, I'm hoping that Crimson Vow will complement all the changes I made for my cube for Midnight Hunt as opposed mm-hmm. to ruin them, but uh, we we will see. And yeah, the day of recording, it's Halloween. It's literally the spookiest mm. day of the year, and so I celebrated by having Reese's and Kit Kats for breakfast, as one does. Nice. And uh, it's also my cat Frankie's Gotcha Day. I've had this little boy for a year Lovely. now, so might be doing something, maybe making him a, a little bit of chimpkin uh, as a, as a nice. celebration. But, uh, yeah, just happy that he's been in our lives for a year now. He's a great little cat. But what about you, Scott? How have you been? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've had a bit of an interesting week. So, first of all, I was a special guest for a panel on the creative process, which was a panel at GaleCon, which is an Irish gaming convention. So the panel was for aspiring creators to be able to come along and get some insights from more established writers and streamers and that kind of thing about the process of creating content from idea to the final piece so Mm. it was the first time i was ever on a panel it was really good yeah i was strangely nervous i'm never normally nervous but (laughs) it was it was really enjoyable it was good yeah i i'm never i'm never used to people like sitting down and like looking at me and being like "Mm -hmm. we want to hear live right now exactly what your thoughts are on this thing and it's going to possibly shape how i do things in the future like that that's a little (laughs) nerve-wracking but like that's impressive congrats you deserve it yeah it was it was cool I also received a lovely gift from the wonderful folks over at Quiver Time this week. So, to those at home, if you don't know them, they make the Quiver, which is a really sweet, fancy carry case for deck boxes and cubes and whatever you want to put in it. They sent me their Quiver, a deck box, and some sleeves. It was super, super nice of them. Uh, I reviewed them over on my Twitter over the last couple of days, so you can go check that out now if you're interested in them. And the website I'll put in the show notes, but it's QuiverTime.com if you want to go check them out as well. This is not sponsored. They sent me this as a gift, and I just thought I'd shout them out because it's really nice and it's cool. Yeah, I have, uh, I have their, I think we have the same one the purple one i've had it for three and a half years for my cube very good so i can i'll back you up good stuff good stuff they're also really really nice and they're always involved with the community as well you always see them on twitter just generally being nice and positive my article this week by the way is all about the removal staples for commander and the pieces that every player should have in their collection. So it's perfect for players if you're looking to get into the format. It's also good for current players if you're looking to brush up on like different pieces for their decks and that sort of stuff. So that's live on Card Kingdom now. You can check that out after the show. And I also just finished some recording for Irish Commander Nights, which is a show that I was on before. It's on the Tabletop YouTube channel, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. Uh, it's a paper Commander gameplay show, which personally I can't get enough of that. Their setup is really sweet. They've got multiple cameras and they don't censor any swearing. So if you want to hear a lot of Irish people Mm -hmm. play Commander and that kind of thing, you can head on over to Tabletop on YouTube. There should be an episode up with me over the next week or two, so you can keep an eye out for me on there as well. But yeah, as far as the preview season, as we will learn now in a moment or two, uh, I haven't looked at a whole lot at all because I've been quite busy with these other things. So this episode is actually going to be mostly talking about the previews and we're going to be getting close to my first impressions on these things i know you've been well deep in the trenches with uh with the innistrad previews so yes we're going to get a a more reasoned take and then my nonsense first impression i guess so (laughs) yeah i for for, for those unaware because i have my innistrad cube uh which i don't shut up about (laughs) 
I have been for Midnight Hunt and now Crimson Vow, I've been reviewing every single card from these sets in a mega thread on Twitter, for, like mm-hmm. in terms of the cube. So if you need to catch up on spoilers, uh, I've been told that that's helped a lot of people because there's so many cards coming out. They've just looked through my thread and uh, yeah. get caught up. Yeah, so. you do a real good job with them. Every time oh, there's you. a sad, Angelo always goes through like the the relevant cube cards for Zinistrat Cube. Obviously, this time, every single card is relevant, so it's a full yep. deep dive on the entire set, you crazy person. Yep. But, yeah, usually it's like, oh, Mon Horizons 2, there's like eight Innistrad cards, it's nice and easy. Now it's like, <laughs> oh, there's 300 and whatever, and the Commander deck cards too? Yikes. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any Magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, Angelo, you are the special guest this week, so Correct. I hope you have a card of the week for us. Yes, so I have two, but they're oh. like, it's not really two, it's more like one and a half. It's a it's a double, a double feature, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, cards of the week uh, I have is Haunting Voyage mm-hmm. for $3 and Patriarch's Bidding for $1.75. Uh, the reason why mm-hmm. I'm doing both of these cards is they're basically the same thing. And with tribal stuff kind of at the forefront of everyone's mind right now, with zombies and vampires and all the other Innistrad goodies, yep. they're just in my conscious at the moment. They're just yep. two cards that I thought about. Patriarch's Bidding used to be, I believe, about $30. It got Oof. reprinted in Modern Horizons 2. Yeah. And while the OG printing is still 14 the regular one, like I said, is 175 So that got brought down a whole ton. And what Patriarch's mm. Bidding does... It's a five mana sorcery. Each player chooses a creature type, and they bring all creatures of that type back from their graveyards to the battlefield. And so it does help your opponent, but you know you're presumably playing this in a tribal deck, and yeah. so you'll end up getting more value out of it. Similarly, Haunting Voyage is a six mana sorcery where you choose a creature type, you return up to two creature cards of that type from your graveyard to the battlefield, mm. but it also has Foretell, So you can foretell it into exile for two mana, and then later play it for seven mana. And if you play it for its foretell cost, you get to bring back all of yours. Yeah. These two cards, to me, if you're running black tribal commander stuff, you're just going to play both of them if you can. Particularly because they're very cheap right now. Mm. On top of that, Haunting Voyage is already seeing play in 4,000 decks. I know this because I went to edhrec.com. Go to edhrec for all your stuff. (laughs) And Patriarch's Bidding is in 8,000 decks. Haunting Voyage just came out in Kaldheim earlier this year. And it's already in half the number of decks that Patriarch's Bidding, which is a 15 to 17-year-old card, is in. So that that bodes very well for it. Mm -hmm. And then also they have multiple versions. So... There's the Borderless Haunting Voyage, which is $3. The Foil Borderless is $4.50. So if you're looking for a pretty one, that's still mm. pretty cheap. And then the uh, Foil Etched Patriarch's Bidding is 2 bucks because in Modern oh. Horizons 2, there are 18,000 different printings of things. And <laughs> then the regular Foil is 5 So if you go for Modern Horizons 2, Bling, and everything else, you'll be good. Do not go... For the regular printing, that's still very, very expensive. Yeah. Yeah, that's still like, what, like $14, $15 or something? Yeah, just uh, non-foil is $14. Ooh. Yep. Yeah, that's hefty. Thank you, reprints. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these are these are great. Yeah, like you said, any black tribal deck in Commander, these are great inclusions. Especially if you're graveyard-focused, but if you're black, you're probably going to be... I mean, one thing, too, is that if you're in black, even if you're not graveyard-focused, just having something to, like, go into the yard. Like, I, I did yeah. a, a Spirit Tribal deck. You can read it on track. It was, <laughs> I think, three weeks ago now, mm. where I did blue-white spirits, but I splashed black. And mm. just having a couple cards that could reach into the graveyard 
you know, if I get board wiped or if there's removal or whatever, is really good. You don't even need to be graveyard focused. It just gives you an extra angle to kind of close out games because people aren't expecting you to just revive your entire graveyard. That's very fair. Yeah, very good point. All right. So moving on to the main section of the episode, we are going to be talking spoilers. So to those that don't know, Crimson Vow has started the previews as of well, when you're listening to this, it'd be as of last week. So we have previews right up until Sunday when we record. So we're going to be talking about the commanders from the commander decks along with some of the regular standard set previews. So to kick us off, Angelo, why don't you take us through the commander cards, the ones that we will see in the commander decks? Yes. So we have the two-face commanders. Mm-hmm. And, and with these commander decks... They have two-face commanders, and there's two other legends in the deck. There's one that is both of the colors, and then there is one that is monocolored. Uh, we don't know any of those yet, but we do have the face ones. And so cool. we're getting a vampire deck, and we're getting a spirits deck. For the vampire deck, uh, it's a bit of a deep cut. This is Strafan, Maurer Progenitor. Mm. The Maurer House is one of the lesser vampire houses on Innistrad, mm. and they've been talked about before, but we've never seen him. He's a 3-2 flyer for 4, 2, black and red. He flies, and at the beginning of your end step, you get to create a blood token for each player who lost life this turn. And then whenever he attacks, you can sack two blood tokens. And if you do, you can put a vampire card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped in attacking, and it gains indestructible until the end of the turn. Mm. He's playing around with blood, which is one of the new mechanics. Uh, It's an artifact token that you can pay one, tap it, sack it, discard a card, and draw a card. Yep. So he works really well with all the blood cards from Crimson Vow, mm-hmm. but you know he's also a way to generate it himself, which is really nice. But unlike Edgar, where Edgar's very low to the ground, you want to play as many one-drops as possible, since Edgar just provides free 1-1s. One yeah. Strafan is really cool, because he wants you to instead play bigger vampires and cheat them in. Yeah. And that's something that we don't have yet which is a little odd we have a lot of little vampire love mm. but nothing for the the big vampires so i think this is a really really cool design to kind of push you know uh, a slightly higher curve yeah so on first impressions the first thing that stood out to me was the line that says at the beginning of your end step create a blood token for each player who lost life this turn so that kind of leans towards incentivizing you to deal damage to all players yep at the one time you know every turn so the first card that stuck to me as soon as i read that part was florian voldar and scion from yep. midnight hunt because that's at the beginning of your post combat main phase look at the top x cards of your library where x is the total amount of life that your opponent's lost this turn you exile one you may play the exile card this turn and then you put the rest down in the bottom of your library so this kind of feels like it could have a pseudo burn kind of theme Mm -hmm. in it while also then having the big huge attackers that you can reanimate using the blood tokens that you've also gained that kind of thing so yep yeah it's cool i like it yeah he has a lot of play he's very open you don't have to focus Mm. on one part of him and i think that's really cool yeah yeah commanders like this where you can take them in one direction another direction or a bit of both or a completely random direction i really like these a lot yeah yeah They've been doing a really good job with the face commanders. Yeah. Uh, speaking of face commanders, Scott, we have a yes. second one. Go on. Hit me. We have Millicent Restless Revenant. And so uh, Millicent is a 4-4 four, four for 7. Oof. But wait. Uh, this spell costs one less to cast for each spirit you control. That's mm. real nice. She has flying. And then whenever she or another non-token spirit you control dies or deals combat damage to a player, you make a 1-1 spirit with flying. Mm. One reason why, because uh, I, I had mentioned the article on spirits I wrote a couple weeks ago, one yeah. of the reasons why I had a splash black is we haven't had a proper blue-white spirit commander yet. Yeah. So Millicent really slots into that role really well. She's a mm. token generator. She She's expensive, but she has a way to pay for her regular cost as well as her commander cost. She's just really cool. She's really good. Uh, a little straightforward, but she knows what she wants to do and she does it well. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I am always... There's there's two things here on my first impression is that I like when a commander can have a somewhat healthy way to circumvent commander attacks. 
you know like obviously the likes of Golos and stuff not great because mm-hmm. it's a little too easy however with this in order for you to play your commander cheaper you have to have a pretty reasonable board you know yep. so it is a proper investment that you need to do the downside to it is that in order for you to get your commander out most of the time you have to commit quite a bit to the board yeah. which generally speaking once you then do that and play your commander your opponents are really incentivized to wipe the board so yeah so it's, pack in it's, your protection yeah. spells folks yeah this feels like the kind of deck that you would definitely have to run more protection than than usual because yeah. like that like like with most token decks and stuff you're going to want to go wide and everything but yeah particularly when your commander relies on your board existing for them to actually exist is uh it's an awkward tension point that i am not a fan of it would mm-hmm. make me not want to run this as a commander for that reason maybe the second in command the other multicolor commander in the deck might be a better suit for my style mm-hmm. but i can see a lot of people really enjoying this yeah could be cool yeah just just run dovin's veto if you're worried about a ward away mm. i know you're trying to bait me into like complaining about dovin's veto but i've been clear about this before i hate it in <laughs> 60 card formats where you can have four of them <laughs> in 100 card singles of formats dovin's veto is great stops stops a load of nonsense it's i've fun. been had <laughs> gotcha <laughs> so we've got one other commander only card mm-hmm. and that is wedding ring so yep. i'm gonna read this out now i saw this already but i didn't really take it in because there's an awful lot of text on it so Correct. it's too white white for an artifact and when wedding ring enters the battlefield if it was cast target opponent creates a token that's a copy of it and it says, whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life during their turn, you gain that much life. So you create a bond between yourself and another player where when one of you draws a card, the other one does. And whenever you gain life, the other one does. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, correct. 100%. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. It seems fine. It's yeah it's yeah. symmetrical Ugh. yeah i mean like i know that that's that's a very white thing but like yeah yeah like my big issue with it is that you only make the copy if you cast it mm-hmm. you know at first i was like oh well i'm gonna bounce it with teleportation circle and we're all gonna be a polycule and we're all gonna draw cards and gain life together mm-hmm. but like you can't do that like you can bounce it back to your hand but that's a lot you know four mana to also yeah. help your opponents is kind of like eh. it's cute it's flavorful but yeah i don't know i i'd rather just play like secret rendezvous because at least i'm just drawing three cards and even that i'm not really excited about yeah to be honest i think that the big sort of nail in the coffin for me considering this as a good card is that it doesn't do anything when it actually enters the battlefield like yeah. i know like i know you could give it to your next opponent and then you pass the turn and then they draw a card and you draw a card or whatever and that's fine but like Four mana to pass the turn to someone, have them draw a single card, and then you draw a card, and then they may, might just remove it. That seems a bit not great. Also, I don't really see... Like, obviously, this would probably be at its best in, say, like, mono white decks or whichever, where you're looking for more card advantage. But I don't see how this could possibly hold up against other things that other decks can do. Like, this really only incentivizes you to have it. You know, like if, for example, yeah. you, if say say you put this onto a Simic player, are they going to want to keep that around for your one extra card that you draw up a turn? Like, no, they're probably just going to blow it up, you know? Yeah, because but then again, Simic is so much better than Mono White. Maybe they'll just take pity on you and be like, here you go. Draw some cards for once. White secret weapon. Pity. <laughs> yeah, it's a new mechanic. They're like, yeah, we're just going to make White so bad that everyone else will just feel bad for you. I personally just think White should get a bit better than this. And, like, this is coming from someone that's not a White player. Yep. I Yeah. Yeah. No, I've actually, like, I started okay on this, and now I've just gone downhill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's where about... I was I was like, oh, yeah. you draw the card. Oh, wait, no, they also draw the card. Oh, yeah. well, you get to make copies. Oh, but that's only on cast. Like, it just, there, there's so many ifs, ands, and or buts that it's like, mm, eh. Now, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm all for them including more cards like this so that if at some point we get a critical mass of this stuff, then it works out that it's really, really good. Because if you have a few of these kinds of effects that they're making now for white on the yep. field at once, you're going to have some proper good advantage and that's going to be great because they will all add up. But it's quite a lot to invest to have some sort of like value engine like that running. 
and we're not quite there yet. Uh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, not wild. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they were the three main commander cards that have come out so far. Now, we, we've talked at length about those because they're heading out the, the commander sets, you know? Yep. And also Wedding Ring is, you know, Wedding Ring, I guess. Yeah. So let's run into the standard set now and talk Correct. about the spoilers from Crimson Vrow properly. Yes, Correct, Starting- but I have breaking news. Oh? The legendary slug horror was revealed, literally as we're recording. Okay. Mark Rosewater gave us a teaser about a bunch of legends and whatnot from the set, and okay. the slug horror is here. So I'm going to link the slug horror to you, I'm going to read it for everyone, and okay. I want to know what you think. Okay, so this is a card I have not seen yet. Correct. Okay, So Let's see. here it is. Its name is... Toxril the Corrosive. Okay. It's a 7-7 seven, seven for 7. 5 mm. black black legendary creature slug horror. Uh-huh. At the beginning of each end step, put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. Oh. Creatures you don't control get minus 1, minus 1 for each slime counter on them. What? Whenever a creature you don't control with a slime counter on it dies... Create a 1-1 black slug creature token, and then, for black and a blue, sacrifice a slug, draw a card. Okay. So, um... (laughs) I'm trying to figure it, like... That's a lot of text. Yeah, it's an awful lot of text. It So... It basically sits around at the end of your turn, put minus one... No, end of each turn. End of each... What? Yes. At the end of each end step... You put yes. a slime counter on each creature you don't control. And then creatures Correct. you don't control get minus one, minus one for each slime counter on them. Okay, so... That, it's a slow board wipe. <laughs> as Yeah, and as people play the things, you're going to have to keep track of the amount of slime counters on everything. I feel like this would be a really bad commander for me, specifically, because <laughs> keeping track of that is going to be so difficult for my brain. Yep. But and then cool. not, only, not only is it a board wipe, mm-hmm. but it gets you one ones when other creatures with slime counters on them die, which you can then sack... To draw cards, and it's technically a Demir commander. So it's Demir Slug Aristocrats? Uh, it's Demir Grief Your Opponents, because <laughs> we already had the Battle Bond Demir commander for Aristocrats. Yeah. You could. Uh, I'm trying to think of what you could do with it. You could. It you is could a monster. Pro- I will you say that. You could do proliferate stuff. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, but that just, like, kills your opponents faster, I guess. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you want to just speed you, up the slug a little bit, you know? Yeah, but you get it on each end step already. When it comes back to your turn, that's four minus one minus one counters on everything. That's not enough to kill a battle ball. Well, <laughs> I mean, technically, no. <laughs> um, uh, I like it. It's not my kind of thing. It's also a seven mana commander, which I'm not against. But in blue-black, like, you're kind of limited for ramp options. So It's true. But I, I think... I think that's offset by being able to yeah. decimate the board literally in a turn cycle. So that's pretty mm-hmm. neato. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That could be that could be a good blue black control commander as well, I guess. Yeah. If you want to do that kind of thing. Yeah. It's neat. The the name is hilarious. Toxril the corrosive. <laughs> it sounds like it should come with a Surgeon General's warning or something. Um, <laughs> not approved by the FDA. <laughs> okay. So that was that. Thank you for the impromptu spoiler oh you're so welcome (laughs) so talking about the main set now first up we're not going to go deep into it the slow lands the lands that uh, enter the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands the this is the remaining five of the cycle this is they they finally introduced and finished a cycle in like one to two sets and i'm very impressed with them for finally being able to do that Yep, it's good. I think I think they should continue this going forward. This is a good way to do cycles, for sure. Uh, they're great. They're going to show up in a lot of places. Like, I definitely see them in Standard. Definitely see them in Pioneer. Maybe a little bit in, like, slower modern decks. Um, Commander, for sure. Yeah, they're just good. Yeah. No, they're A+. I love them. They're, they're very, yep. very good. They're, they're almost as good as the Battle Bond lands, I'd say. Like, they're in that yeah. tier. Like, how often... In the early turns in Commander, if they enter tapped, cool. Later yeah. in the game, they're always going to enter untapped anyway. Yep, I agree. They're good. 
So, moving on to the first actual card from the set that is interesting to talk about because, you know, lands can only be so interesting, you know. Yep. So We're, we're going to do, like, lightning rounds with these. We can't spend too much time. We're already, like, 30 minutes in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as, as of recording, we are actually 30 minutes in. If you're listening to this and it's, like, I don't know, 15 minutes or something on the, on the counter, it's because I've edited out a pile of trash that we have wasted mm-hmm. our time on so far and, and and this is after pre-gaming the podcast for two hours yeah we're, we're now we're now talking so far for about two and a half hours that's absurd uh we emma where are you we need to be kept in we, check we need an adult preferably emma uh, okay so first up we've got a reprint in a legendary yep. creature thalia guardian of thraben one and a white for a 2-1 legendary human soldier with first strike that reads non-creature spells cost one more to cast so a great reprint to have yep she hasn't been reprinted in a while i know we got a load of different versions in like a secret layer or whatever but that doesn't really impact the price that much but i think the most notable takeaway from this is that talia is now legal in pioneer mm. that's that's a pretty big thing because is it phoenix is currently the top deck and has been for quite some time uh not to worrying numbers but it's you know definitely the best thing to be doing which i'm personally very happy with but however uh thalia is definitely going to do something to help slow that down a little bit mm-hmm. and it gives a great tool for more aggressive decks to be able yeah. to to cope because there are some mono white aggro decks in the format mono white humans and stuff or orza of humans that kind of needed something like thalia in order to be more relevant and i think this is probably going to have one of the biggest shakeups in that format personally yeah i think it's a really good card for standard standard yeah i've been seeing people be like oh we need a thalia like card well here's thalia that's cool uh she's just fantastic every time we've seen her uh, my only issue is that up until this point whenever we've had a return set uh and whenever they've teased a legendary character coming back mm-hmm. they've given us a new card for them and i know that there were plenty of people that were excited for Thalia 3.0, and it is a little disappointing, particularly with Thalia as a very beloved character, to not get a new card, to, like, show some kind of progression, Uh, particularly when, in the story, Thraben is literally a ghost in zombie town. Like, there's nothing there to guard anymore, so it's a little weird. But Mm. otherwise, aside from flavor stuff, I... Great card. Happy to see a reprint in formats that, like Pioneer and Standard, that yeah. will use her. Yeah, for sure. Now we're actually going to have a lightning round. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Let's see if you can you can do it, Scott. All right, I'll call. Right. I'll call out the next one. Yep. Next one. Jason Muse is back on Soren the Mirthless. <laughs> uh, two black black for a legendary planeswalker, Soren. As four loyalty, and the plus one is look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card and put it into your hand. If you do, you lose life equal to its mana value. The minus two is create a two three black vampire creature token with flying and lifelink. And the ultimate, the minus seven, is Soren the Mirthless deals 13 damage to any target and you gain 13 life. Angelo, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's basically Dark Confidant. Yeah, but for four. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the Soren's fine. That's basically it. Like, he's fine. I wish mm-hmm. the minus seven was 10 and 10. That way it references Soren's vengeance as opposed to just trying to jam 13 into everything. Because, yeah. like, Innistrad, spooky, 13. Ooh. Mm. But whatever. Yeah, he's a mono black walker. I don't think he'll see a whole lot of play. He's fine in EDH. He's yeah. not going to be seeing play in my cube. So, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I've I've no real huge interest. I do like the way that it makes a vampire nighthawk on the minus two. I do like that. Yeah, I wish the token also had death touch, but you know, can't have everything. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Next up, we have the bride herself, Olivia Crimson Bride. Mm-hmm. She's a three four for six, uh, four a black and a red, with flying and haste. And whenever she attacks, you return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And it gains, when you don't control a legendary vampire, exile this creature. Scott, thoughts? Uh, it's cool. Yeah. I, I'm i looking at a lot of this from the lens of Commander. So Same. this is cool as like a sort of aggressive-ish sort of Commander for mm-hmm. like reanimation stuff. I like the 
text of when you don't control a legendary vampire because it means you could make sort of a vampire tribal deck with her at the helm and you could throw in a couple of legendary vampires that fit under the colors and that kind of thing to yep. make your thing stick around a bit more but also you don't necessarily have to do that it's uh it's fine yeah what are your thoughts yeah, just about the same. I think the most interesting point with her, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to be doing the gold set review for EDH Rec, mm. so I'll be going a bit more in depth on her then. But one cool thing is, like you said, with legendary vampires, it, her claws that she gives the creature doesn't say other. So you can just put all of the legendary vampires you want in, and they're yep. never going to go away. Even if she goes away, because they're all legendary, they're going to yep. count themselves. And so I think that's really neat, having another like reanimation kind of creature interact those mm. colors is cool you can make it vampires you could make it not so yeah she's a little expensive but she kind of gets you value right away yeah it's cool next one sigardas right. summons that's a four white white for an enchantment that reads creatures you control with plus one plus one counters on them have base power and toughness four four have flying and are angels in addition to their other types so I feel like they could have just put this in the green-white pre-con from the last set, and it would have been actually maybe good. Yeah, but that would mean that people don't buy packs to get this card, Scott. Look, we're entrenched in here. Like, we're going to be buying packs anyway. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, this is just um, this is a six-man enchantment that isn't a do-nothing enchantment. It literally just says, play this and kill your opponents. It's an easier-to-keep-track-of-Cathar's Crusade, and yeah. I really appreciate that. So I think there will be plenty of homes for this in Commander. Yeah, as someone who makes a point of never including Cathar's Crusade in their decks because I just can't track all that, and I don't own enough dice to deal with that, that yeah, this looks really, really good. 100%. Yeah. Uh, next up, Felstinger. Uh, this is an uncommon. It's a 3-2 zombie scorpion for uh, 2 and a black. And it has Death Touch and Exploit. So when it enters the battlefield, you can sacrifice a creature. And when Felstinger exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't really had Sign and Blood on a creature before. It can sack itself. It can sack other creatures. It's a 3-2 with Death Touch, so it blocks really well. It's just a really good value creature. I like it a lot. <laughs> That's about it. This is basically Black Moldrifter. Yeah, I'm, I am in on that. That's good by me. Yep. Next one, we have Overcharged Amalgam. Two blue blue for a 3-3 zombie horror with flash and flying and exploit. And it reads, when overcharged amalgam exploits a creature, counter target spell, activated ability or triggered ability. So it's a disallow on a flash creature for one more mana and you have to exploit it. Which, let's be real, in most decks that you're going to be putting this zombie horror into, that's pretty good. Yeah. Disallow is a little weird because it's basically cancel 90% of the time, I would yeah. say. And sometimes you do other stuff, whereas this one, at the very least, even though it's four mana, it's a zombie and it flies. Mm -hmm. You could also get extra value out of it for exploiting things. I'm sure you'll have other triggers like Wilhelm. Here, I'm going to sack a non-decayed zombie, make a decayed zombie. You didn't really lose a whole lot. They'll be happy to have a counterspell that's a zombie. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Next up, we have By Invitation Only. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a sorcery for three white-white, and it says choose a number between 0 and 13. Each player sacrifices that many creatures. Uh, it's a little odd to see this effect in white, but they yeah. said that it's something that they're playing with a bit more, and I think it, it does make sense. It is symmetrical. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. It's another way to remove things and wipe the board. Yep. Having the ability to scale like that is really nice. If you're in a white deck and you have... A lot of creatures, and if the majority of them are tokens, you can say seven, sack all your tokens. A lot of people won't have seven creatures, and yeah. then you're left with your actual creatures. You could just say 13 to actually get rid of, you know, the entire board. So I, I like it. What about you? I think it will be best, like you said, in the likes of token decks and stuff, because you're fine with getting rid of some random tokens and mm -hmm. clearing out your opponent's defenses. I don't see this being great in most other spots and the reason for that is because like if you're paying five five mana you kind of want to make sure the board goes away you know like mm -hmm. imagine if you're playing this in like a you know a more mid-rangey kind of deck or something and you're facing off against the tokens deck and you name 13 and they still keep 10 creatures for example yeah you're, you're in trouble like you're in a lot of trouble but in the right deck it's great and i do like giving white the ability to sacrifice i actually quite 
like that. Yeah, I think it's it really is neat. A, a neat thing that they can they can take and put into that color, and it doesn't feel weird. It feels no, it feels like it's on on color. I think it it only feels weird because we haven't seen it before. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Next one is Angie. She's back, made of dishonor, and she is two a black and a red for a four five which is decent stats, for a legendary mm-hmm. vampire that reads, whenever Angie, made of Dishonor, and or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under your control, create a blood token. We talked about these before. It is an artifact that has pay one, tap and discard a card, and sacrifice this artifact to draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn, so there's a, there's a limit on it. And you can pay two and sack another creature or a blood token for each opponent to lose two life and for you to gain two life. So... It's it's cool. It's a neat blood enabler slash payoff. I don't really see her being great as like a commander, but in the right mm-hmm. deck would be good as a support piece, I think. What about you? Yeah. Um so I think she goes really well in the ninety nine of a lot of decks. Mm. I think in limited and also in my cube, um, anything like that, she is absolutely incredible. Cool. Yeah, four five for four just on her own is great. She makes a blood token. On your next turn, whenever you play another vampire, you get the vampire, you get the blood token. That right there, if you pay six mana and sacrifice both blood tokens and the vampire, mm-hmm. is a 12-point life swing before she attacks. Like yeah. She has a ton of reach, and she's very, very good in, again, limited, in cube. Maybe she'll see a little play in standard, being able to get some incidental value Man. on ETB and also whenever you play vampires... Plus, the reach is worth something, too. Uh, I could see her being, you know, a one or a two of in a a vampire top end. Yeah, absolutely. So next, Runo Stromkirk. Finally, after ten years, we finally get a Runo Stromkirk card. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's a 1-4 for one blue-black legendary creature vampire cleric with flying. When he enters the battlefield, you put one target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. Mm. Not that great, but... At the beginning of your upkeep, you can look at the top card of your library and reveal that card. If it's a creature card with mana value 6 or greater, then you transform him. And on the back is Crothis, Lord of the Deep. It's a 3-5 Kraken Horror with flying. And whenever it attacks, you create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of another target attacking creature... But if that creature is a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, you make two of those tokens instead. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is another Demir Sea Monsters commander, but better. I think Mm. the other one that people were playing was from Zendikar, like the Island Walk, Swamp Walk guy that would cast things out of your graveyard if it hit you. Mm. But yeah, no, Runo's great. Cheap commander for a high CMC tribal thing. Yeah. You can draw cards, discard cards, mill yourself, and you're just getting a lot of value out of it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I have so many Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents just lying in a box, and I need somewhere to put them, and I feel like this will be enough to get me to make a deck for them. Yeah, uh, get your quest for Ula's Temple if you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is going up. Yeah. All right, next one I'm going to talk about is... One that's very on brand for me, and that is Maniform Hellkite. So it's two red red for a 4-4 dragon with flying. And it reads, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you make an XX red dragon illusion creature token with flying and haste, where X is the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. You exile that token at the beginning of the next end step. So I'm a huge fan of all blue-red token generators, be it Young Pyromancer or Talran Sky Summoner or Murmuring Mystic or Shark Typhoon, or there are so many of them. So getting another one that is actually different and interesting is really, really cool. So it's fairly fixed in the sense that like, it's hard to break this because you can only make an XX where the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. So you can't say like, Treasure Cruise is eight, so I'm just going to delve seven and pay one. It means you're going to get a one, one, you know, so it's not going to give you an eight, eight, like some things will, which is cool and it's also cool that they go away at the beginning of the end step because it feels more red it feels like it's more transient mm-hmm. which is a very red thing i like this a lot yeah same uh it makes really cool tokens if you have a gear deck 
the the Naya Populate, you can play this, and then whenever you play your Ishkar's Expertise, make a 6-6 six, six Swing with Gearhead, populate it, and then you only sack one of them. Um, so yeah. that's really cool. But no, I, I I like this dragon. Dragons are cool. I just built a Wart the Raid Mother deck that this needs to go Ooh. into. That'll be nice. Yeah. All right. So for my last one, because mm-hmm. we, we can't go through all of them. We're, we're bumping up on time here. <laughs> Mine is Jeralf Visionary Stitcher. And so Jeralf is a 1-4 for 3, 2 and a blue. And he's a legendary creature, human wizard. Zombies you control have flying. Great text. Mm. We we love flying zombies here. And then for uh, blue and tap him, you can sacrifice another non-token creature. You create an XX blue zombie creature token, where X is the sacrificed creature's toughness. Yeah. He turns your walls into attackers because they become zombies now. Mm-hmm. All removal needs to be put on him, because otherwise he can just sack your creatures in response. Mm. It doesn't help with board wipes, but it'll help with targeted removal. Uh, and he makes all your zombies fly. That's really cool. That's really good. Evasion is great, especially when you're making huge, giant zombies. So yeah. uh, I, I like him. I think he's actually a pretty cool commander, and he seems good and you know limited in cube, too. Mm. Yeah. I would be interested in now. I know, like the the line of like zombies you control are flying. That's the part that people are looking at and going, "Oh, this will fit in like zombie decks or whatever." Mm-hmm. And yes, it will. But what I would really want to do with this is to make a toughness matters deck in mono blue, which is a very weird thing to do. But I yeah. think it could be really cool. I know some people were showing uh, Charix the Raging Isle as mm-hmm. like having 17 toughness for four mana and that would be a great thing to sacrifice to Geralf. I'm yep. sure there's more than just that one crab that's going to be cool and interesting to do with this. So Yeah, there, like there's plenty of zero fours for one mana mm. that you could just start early on just making those and then turning those into zombies and then you build up to your Cherixes or whatever else. Yeah, for sure. I really like it. Same. And then the final card for me is going to be Change of Fortune. So Change of Fortune is three and a red for a sorcery that reads discard your hand, then draw a card for each card you've discarded this turn. So yes, it's an interesting take on a wheel that is going to be better in the likes of cycling decks or madness decks or just general discard decks. So the likes of Angie Falconrath or that sort of thing. The thing that I'm going to bring up about this is that I think I might have found my new favorite artist. It's Sam Gray who does the art for this who's of no relation to Rebecca Gway, though they were Sam's mentor, funnily enough. And it kind of reminds me of like a mix between Rebecca Gway and Seb McKinnon in mm-hmm. its use of like colors and line work and lighting. And I just really, really like it. I know I don't normally talk about art and stuff, but this is just really, really cool. The card itself yeah. is really neat as well. I can see that showing up in a lot of places, but I wanted to just highlight the art because it is really, really awesome. Yeah, wheel decks, madness decks, all those, all those kinds of decks will want this, and the art is great. Yeah. What more could you want? <laughs> yeah, and that will do it for now for the previews. I'll obviously be back next week with some more talk about previews because preview season never ends. But last thing we need to get onto, Angelo, I will take over this part so that I can give you Please. full free range to be able to answer all of our Q and A. To the best oh, of your God. ability. And we're going to start with Evie the Mage 97. Which, by the way, Evie, if you're listening, I've always thought that Emma has been missaying this. And it's actually Ev the Mage. like Everett is his Everett. name. Ev- well, there, yeah. there you go. There you go. So, <laughs> yes. On to the actual point, And that's my messing around. So... <laughs> First of all, he's got some stonks. So with Crimson Vow coming in, taking a hard look at Midnight Hunt, finally, and Smoldering Egg is a card that if players want them, I'd get them while they're under $3 still. It's insane in Highlander formats, and they've been testing it as a two-of in mono-red decks with great results. It is a pretty cool card. I like it a lot. Yeah. Now, for Angelo, what is the secret to the Innistrad cube, and why is it three colors? So there's a lot of ways that I could take this, and I'm I'm not sure that there isn't like a... I don't know. It's a little open-ended here. Are you saying drafting? Are you saying constructing the cube? My early iterations was very light on mana fixing. Mm. I, I've I've eased up on that now that I've gone up to 540 from 360. But no, it is not three colors. It will never be three colors. You can splash, but no. Stop that. It's a two-color cube. Sometimes you splash a third color. That is it. 
stay in your lane. (laughs) (laughs) And then the question for me is, have I been able to test the dragon egg from Midnight Hunt in Modern yet? That would be the, the smoldering egg. And yeah, I, I don't I don't see how it can be any good there. The reason for it is because it's a two mana 04. It needs to get counters on it in order for it to flip and turn into... When you cast uh, non-creature spells, it deals damage equal to their, their value or it deals two damage mm-hmm. to any target and so on. I just think Thing in the Ice is almost always better for that kind of thing because when it flips that damage either has to go face in order for you to end the game quickly or it needs to go into controlling the board which makes me mm-hmm. think that this could be good in like sideboard of like storm decks and stuff maybe but the thing is if you're casting enough spells and stuff to flip this you're probably kind of just going off anyway so mm-hmm. it's unlikely to be particularly useful now if it said instead of like putting a number of counters on it equal to the mana value of the spell if it said that instead of the amount of mana spent to cast it i would look at this very differently and be like this is a very 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 good card but Mm. unfortunately it just has a couple too many hoops to jump through again i haven't tested it yet but i i can't see it being particularly good just on face value but i will at some point definitely get to take a look at it next up we have the joe cheney across both twitter and the bmcast discord First up, yo Angelo, which colors do you most want to see quality rares and mythics in to beef up your Innistrad cube? Hmm. I think for the most part, uh, Midnight Hunt did a really good job fleshing a lot of things out. Hmm. I'm in need of a couple green-black cards that actually have synergy because green-black is kind of all over the place in every Innistrad set. Mm. that's really really it there there were a lot of really good cards for midnight hunt blue and red were kind of the weakest and then you know blue and red were some of the best colors in midnight hunt so that got a lot of really good cards uh green's always been good aside from werewolves because watsy hates werewolves for some reason (laughs) white and black have always been good because those are kind of the two colors on Innistrad people think of it's you know the the angels Mm. and the demons plane so they, they always have good cards so uh I'd say just fleshing out gold slots at this point would be what I'm looking for, particularly in green-black. Yeah, that's fair. Next question from Joe is, what are you fine fellas drinking? Any potent potables that you recommend? Mm, Hold on, I have one. Mm -hmm. And it's right here. It's called water. Stay hydrated. (laughs) None of you drink enough water. I like like to think I do. (laughs) I I drink quite a bit of water, to be fair. I... I'll be honest, I don't really drink anymore. Same. My my level of drinking went down pretty significantly when I started playing Magic because I realized I can't do both effectively. And then not too long ago, uh, I, I had a change of diet where essentially I can't eat like wheat or gluten anymore without my stomach like doubling over and uh, causing like severe cramps and pain and stuff. So that kind of rules out an awful lot of drinks as well, like beer and stuff. So it further disincentivized me to drink. So I'm not really on anything. Um, like, I'll pick up a I'll pick up a, a cider, but I'm not wild on them because they can often be, like, too sweet after a drink or two. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeah. go boring and say kind of water as well, also, sort of. Heck yeah. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. actually, I'm a big fan of, like, sparkling water, like, flavored sparkling water. Like, there's one that we get that's, like, lemon and lime. That's real good, mm. you know? That's a boring answer, but it's the it's the one you're getting. Same. <laughs> and then finally from Joe, we have, what is your favorite Muppet movie, and why is it Muppet Christmas Carol? I don't know. I'm not a movie guy. I haven't really seen Muppets. <laughs> we're going to sound like absolute like clones, like not real humans, because we're like, yeah, we don't really drink. We also don't really watch movies. Like, how do you do, fellow humans? Yep. Uh, the movie thing is 100% ADHD thing, because yeah. why would I sit down and you know for an hour and a half to two hours when i could where instead i could sit down and watch six episodes of a show because there's a break in between i can go to the bathroom or get a snack or walk or do this other thing mm-hmm. so much easier i so, knew you were uh, gonna say that i knew you're gonna yep. say that because i'm the exact same but the thing is yep. it's, it's not even so i can take the break it's just so i know it's there Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's so important to just have that little bit to, to a palate cleanser if you will mm. Yeah, and a, an attention palate cleanser, and movies don't have that. Yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah, we're we're not wired to like movies, I guess. 
And then finally, Snapbolt Brawl over on the BMCast Discord has two questions. The first one, what is Angelo's secret to maintaining such a glorious beard? Uh, proper grooming. So just making sure that you're trimming it and making sure that everything looks really nice. Uh, it's very soft because I shampoo. Mm. I shampoo my beard whenever I shampoo my hair. And drinking a lot of water, probably. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't looked that up, but I drink a lot of water and my beard is nice. Coincidence? I think not. Mm. generally speaking if there's any kind of ailment whatsoever i like particularly with my partner leanne uh if she's like oh i've got a headache i'm like drink more water she's like oh, i've got a stomach <laughs> ache i'm like drink more water like it's it's probably the answer at the very yep. least it cannot hurt you <laughs> <laughs> and then the final question and i'm assuming this was supposed to be for when emma's around but we're gonna answer it anyway yeah we got what, this <laughs> what is emma's hottest take angela what are your thoughts uh, she thinks that green is a good color. Uh, mm. First of all, incorrect, particularly with Tron. Colorless is the best way to go with Tron. Uh, adding green just dilutes it. Also, Thraben Inspector is not a very good card. It is fine. It is okay. And that's about it. Oh, you're choosing violence today, I see. No, I, <laughs> I, think, I think Emma is a very cultured woman. I think that she has a lot of good takes. Uh, but sometimes I think she just goes a little too far. I will say... That people do like their Thraben Inspectors, and I don't hold that against people. Why would you blink Thraben Inspector when you could just blink Muldrifter? This is what I was going to say. You can say that you like the card, and that is cool, and that is fine. But if you tell me that you think Thraben Inspector is a good card, I'm not sure I trust your evaluation skills. Sorry. But it's not a good card. You can like it, you can love it even, but it's not objectively good. Sorry. Sorry. I If I get cancelled from that, that's... <laughs> At least Angelo's coming with me. <laughs> uh, my thoughts on Emma's hottest take is that uh, she thinks garlic shouldn't be in everything. Hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. Hmm. And I know that, like, when I say everything, I don't mean, like, put it in your cornflakes or something. I mean, like, just anywhere where garlic makes sense to add, you should just add garlic. That's just, there's no question about it. You should just do it. Gosh, it sounds like she's going to be the one getting cancelled, not us. Right? <laughs> thank you for listening to us here at the BM Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney. Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, Christopher McCarthy, Tom Telford, Anton Clement, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Matthew O'Neill, and Anthony Burchett. At the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, A Nice Planeswalker, Nerblin, Everett Brogan, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Mickey Paris, Mark Davis, Coffee, and Spencer Stack. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you would like to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. <laughs>